Howdy, everyone. <clears throat> Happy Monday, October 12th. Uh, my name is Carter Laren. You're watching Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. And I am joined, as always, by Carrie Smith. Carrie, hi. Hi, Carter. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I was telling you before the show, I had a we had a little bit of a scare. I'm in California, and uh, I went out for a hike behind my house last night. And I look across the valley. There's like a valley, and I look across the valley, and the entire hillside on the other side is on fire. Um, wow! So I freaked That's out scary. a little bit. Um, but then I realized what the fire departments are dealing with because they literally had it out within a few hours, completely out, and it was like a blip. It didn't even show up really for like a microsecond. It showed up on the on the fire maps. So like, oh yeah, that was the thing. It's done. Uh, and to me, wow. it seemed like this huge problem. And I was like, oh. Uh, I guess, I guess that doesn't even count, but, uh, I don't know. I met this guy in, uh, where was I? Priest Lake, Idaho. And you walk, you go up to the top of this mountain and there's a, it, it's like a lighthouse, but for fires instead of for shipwrecks. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a tall wooden tower. And this man lives up there for six months, isolated <laughs> at the top of a mountain it was this old guy, and he said he'd been doing it his whole life. And you can do shorter stints, but he likes the long – he likes being up there by himself. And he was reading a bunch of mystery novels and stuff. And But he was really good at – like he was trying to point out different fires to me. Like, oh, there's one over there. I couldn't even tell what he was talking about. He's got the – you know, he's an expert on being able to sure. tell the difference, spot the smoke and stuff. But what oh. an interesting job. You just live yeah. up there by yourself. And it's this tall, rickety tower. I was wondering, does he have to come down in the middle of the night to pee? down all those stairs <laughs> to use the bathroom? But no, he has a chemical toilet up yeah. there. <laughs> well, you know, uh, anyway. growing up, the, um, and the I used to hike the Adirondack Mountains a lot. And they had the same thing. They were like decommissioned. So you could climb up. I don't think you were supposed to necessarily, but you could climb up to the the decommissioned fire towers. Um, and the uh-huh. ground. But you get really good views. It's really... It's awesome, right? Yeah. They're, they're right up on the view. top, meant to yeah. see 360 degrees. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So um, That's pretty cool. I think I could do it. I think I could do a six month stint by myself in a in a fire. T- I probably I think it sounds fires like, very well, but yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of a Stephen King novel. Like that's your job. Yes. Yeah. That's how the novel starts. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is true. It does. It does sound like that. Uh, yeah. And you fall, well, and the misery lady lives nearby. I don't something. Yeah, horrible. the misery lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, welcome if it's your first time here, guys. This is a live show we do on Mondays and Fridays, and we just talk about whatever you guys want to bring to chat and whatever's in the news lately. Uh, we do another series called Deep Program, where we specifically do deep dives into social justice ideology, my old belief system. You guys can find those on our channel, and uh, we have book club coming up in this a week Sunday. on Sunday. Yeah, we're doing screw tape letters. So if you guys want to be a part of it, go to unsafespace.com or our book club page. You can find out all about book club. You can watch previous discussions. You can be in the live discussion on camera with us, or you can be in the chat like today. Yep. And after that, we're doing management of savagery. So if you want to get a head start on that, you can because screw tape letters is short. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. someone says my mic is too low. I, you know, I'm standing away from my mic compared to usual today because I just want to. I'll turn it up for you all. There you go. Now my now my mic should be fine. You also um, look very dashed today. I like your tie. This is another one of those 
ties from let freedom ring america <laughs> sent me a bunch of ties so Very although nice. uh i'm being told that i should be wearing the bow ties that he sent but uh I'm not i'm not quite there yet <clears throat> so carrie uh other than yeah. fires by my house what was in the news this weekend i guess that wasn't even in the news what's what's in the news this weekend that you want to talk about? You know, I thought I thought we really brought it on Friday, and then today I don't really have a lot of topics. So, what do you care about? <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, well, there was one that's thing. That's the problem there with an episode. You feel like you did well because the next one's going to suck. You can just stop watching no, now, everyone. I guess it's just not. Because I just good. kind of unplugged for my birthday weekend. I wasn't looking at a lot of stuff. Except I will say this one thing that infuriates me. I don't know if you guys saw, but Sean King professional SJW who has over a million followers and writes for several legacy media outlets, like so quote unquote reputable outlets. He just posted something over the weekend or right before the weekend. He said, Tim pool is a dangerous white supremacist and neo-Nazi. Yeah. And it, and it, I'm sure it's not the first time that Tim pool has been called these names. I mean, as we know, the woke left uses those words for anyone who's not woke. It, it's it's incredibly immoral to do so, but but the fact that it's being done by someone with such standing who has over a million followers and writes for reputable sources, I just I I wish he could be taken down. Unfortunately, the libel he's engaging in libel, but if it's if libel, I was looking at the libel laws. If it's libel against a public figure, you have to also prove malicious intent, which is harder to do. So mm. someone like Nick Sandman successfully sued, successfully sued. Because um, he was just was some it, kid. Because he was a kid. And and he's still got lawsuits out there, which I think he's probably going to win. <laughs> By and the way, I love people are, you're, you forgot to call him Talcum X. That's the, the name. Talcum X, yeah. <laughs> but, he, but Nick Sandman successfully sued, I think, because he – He's not a public figure, so he didn't have to prove intent. He just could prove the news outlets were lying about him and calling him things that he's not, these these scurrilous lies. And I'm glad that he did it because part of the reason of doing a lawsuit like that is to is to act as a deterrent and to deter media outlets from making these bold-faced lies, which are meant to defame and to hurt someone's entire – not just their career, but their reputation to, to basically cut them off the knees. That's what it's meant to do. And when it's coming from someone with such a large following like this, I wish – I wish Temple would do a lawsuit. I wish – because I think people would contribute to it just to Probably. make an example of shrinking. Probably. Anyway. Um, I mean the interesting thing – so I have this. He was retweeting – here, let me find – he was retweeting this thing. From there's an account called Tim Pool Clips, which is not run by Tim Pool, which is it's critical of Tim Pool. And Sean King was retweeting, I think, this tweet that says, "Now that it has been revealed that at least one of the militia members who was arrested for plotting to kidnap Michigan's governor was a Tim Pool viewer, we have to start asking whether Tim Pool has any sort of culpability, given his extreme rhetoric toward the governor." Um, they ha and they're showing like Tim Pool says she's evil. Um, you know he's. Uh, the lockdown is, is fascism, blah, blah, blah. You know what this carried in, in light of the other thing that happened this weekend? I, this is just so rich to me. So this, this guy in Denver, the shooter in Denver, we'll talk about Denver in a minute, but the shooter in Denver this weekend uh, 
So you hear you hear the mainstream media and the left, and people like Sean King will retweet this thing about Tim Pool. Oh, oh, this guy, the, 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 these guys involved in the plot watched Tim Pool. Must be on the right. Must be right wing. He must be culpable, right? That the Denver Which, shooter, by the way, is all about all about the behavior of the kidnapper. It's not nothing about what Tim Pool said. Right. It's nothing about Tim Pool's behavior. Right. You're trying to indict him for the behavior of another. He didn't tell anyone to go out and kidnap someone. He doesn't support that. Well, <laughs> on the other hand, you got the shooter in Denver, literally hired by an NBC affiliate, hired by Nine News for their security. Also listened listened to things. He was a Bernie guy, I think. He listened to Young Turks. Okay, uh, where is all the outrage about, well... Is NBC liable for uh, radicalizing this guy who shot the dude? Where's the, uh, the where's the outrage against Sank and the Young Turks for are they yeah. are they some militant supremacists now because one of their listeners did something? No, of course not because that's ridiculous. But certainly they the other never way hold themselves to their own ridiculous standard. They're right. such hypocrites. Right. He's so immoral. And I want to say something. My friend Sonia Trejo posted this. It's on Facebook, so I, I wish it was on Medium. Um, but it is a public post. Maybe we can link it in the comments. She wrote a really great post, which I thought was very succinct in outlining the three immoral acts that you commit when you call someone a white supremacist who is not. Mm. And number number one, you put their life in danger. Because what do we do to white supremacists and Nazis? What do we do you to know, them? Obviously They're we, awful people. We take right. violent action against them generally. You are putting their life in danger. So that's the first immoral act that Sean King is engaging in. Number two, you're terrifying people with your lie. That's an immoral act. You're scaring people and, and letting them believe you're sc- that guy over there is a white supremacist. That guy too. That guy too. You're you're falsely you're in a room full of monsters. Right. You're falsely telling them that all these white supremacists are around them all the time. And in society, and you're elevating the panic and fear. And we've seen this with people who who literally believe they believe that Trump is a white supremacist, or they believe this bullshit. That's an immoral act. That's number two. And then third, and I think the worst immoral act that she outlined, and this is the one I've talked about before, is you belittle, you belittle everyone who's died as a result of Nazism, as a result of genocide, you know, racial genocide. You you trivialize that you trivialize white supremacy and you render it meaningless. You exploit the death of millions of people. You shit all over that. You shit all over those people. And why to, cho- to, to, so you can score like cheap political points and engage in lies and hyperbole. That's well, probably the most immoral of the three. Yeah. You also provide cover for actual white supremacists because now yes. people learn to not trust that word or that categorization anymore because it's being misapplied. So now suddenly people who actually do have those vile beliefs, those vile beliefs can get to fly under the radar because no one's paying attention to them anymore because they don't believe you. Yeah. 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 It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I, 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 um, I, I wish that he could be held accountable for it, for engaging in libel of that magnitude. Yep. So, Lying is an yeah, attempt James, to fake James reality, said, and faking reality always has negative consequences, and that's why it's immoral. 
you can't. James Taylor adds an obvious one. He says lying is itself an immoral act. So it's actually four, four immoral acts that you're committing when you do that. Yeah. I mean, I think Um, she's talking about the immoral consequences of a single immoral act, which is lying. But but yeah, but you're right. And I just want to, so we can have a moment of levity. I've heard Talcum X before, but I've never heard Martin Luther Cream. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) chat. All right, then. (laughs) (sighs) Thanks for bringing a moment of levity. So uh, I I noticed not everyone in chat knows about the Denver shooting thing. So let's just talk about it for a moment because apparently it doesn't even make the news cycle anymore. So um, over the weekend, there was a Patriot muster rally in Denver. And of course, like most of these rallies, uh, there's people from the other side. There's the... BLM slash Antifa. And by the way, I'm going to use the phrase Antifa. The police have said this guy is not affiliated with Antifa, but I'm going to trust Joe Biden that Antifa is just an idea. So I'm just going to use the idea of Antifa. (laughs) There's that kind of a group was there um, yelling and doing their thing. And there was a a, a vet there. I think he was a Navy vet. uh, Lee Keltner, I think is how you pronounce his name. And he, he was, you can see, um, we're not going to show videos of anything. Um, and the shooting wasn't really caught on video, but he was there and some other kind of, he's, he was there to back, back the blue, I think was the reason he was there. He was there to kind of support the police and his side got into an argument. And the video that you can see is he's arguing with someone with a black guns matter shirt on, which is Maj Teray's group. We've had Maj on the show before. Um, but the guy wearing the black guns matter shirt is screaming. He's using, uh, he's actually calling people the N word, which is odd and encouraging them to mace him and saying, don't touch me and blah, 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 blah. And they're, they're screaming back and forth, but there's not physical, you don't see physical altercation there. And Lee is holding, he's holding a can of bear spray or pepper spray or something, but he's holding it not up. He's holding it like down at his side. Cause I think he's worried that like something's going to happen, something could happen, right? And there hasn't been, you don't see any real physical violence happening during the video. But then what happens is uh, Lee doesn't, he kind of disengages from that guy and someone else argues with the guy. He steps off of camera for a moment. And after a few seconds, you hear, you hear his spray and a shot. And, um, and then there's, there's a couple photographs that capture some moment, like some moments before and kind of after this, but, uh, one of the photographs shows him spraying while a gun's being pointed at him, like not, not down, but like up at him and, and he was killed. He was shot in the head and, and killed. And the person who killed him, his name is Matthew Doloff. He, as I mentioned, he's on the left. He was hired by NBC as a NBC affiliate Nine News as as a supposedly as a security guard. Although um, one of the spokespeople for the Den- Denver Department of Excise and Licenses, because of course they have one of those, uh, mentions that he didn't have a security guard uh, license or anything. Um, but he uh, he then the police come over. He, they take him into custody. He's being charged with murder now, um, and. I want to I want to piece this apart a little bit cuz I don't want to be hypocritical and I want to in a non-hypocritical way in an objective as possible way with the, the strive towards objectivity talk about 
this shooting um, because we have in the past said, look, if you're armed and someone goes after you, you kind of, you can't get into a fist fight if you're armed and like, and you do have a right to defend yourself. And so I'm sure that the other side will be saying, well, he sprayed him and he had to, and you guys need to support his right to self-defense. So uh, I'm sure that will be the argument and, or one argument. And so I want to walk through that a little bit. So first of all, we don't actually know what happened, so we do need to take this with a. We do need to assume innocence until there's evidence, but let's, let's until there's enough evidence. But let's look at the evidence here. What we do know is that Lee was walking around. He didn't get into an altercation when he could have, right? If we compare the shooter's behavior to um, Kyle Rittenhouse, one of the things I said when you're armed was you need to not get into a fist fight, but what you also need to do is you want to de-escalate. Now, Kyle was running away. Kyle was literally running away and be getting cornered by a mob. So I don't know what more de-escalation there can possibly, like running away is pretty good de-escalation. Like he, he wasn't standing his ground to have a fight. He was running away. This guy wasn't running away. There was, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge crowd. He could have easily like just walked away from this altercation had he felt threatened. Um, and of the pictures I've seen, I don't see any picture with the bear spray or pepper spray or whatever it was. I don't see any picture of the pepper spray raised in a threatening manner without a firearm also raised. And it's not like the guy pulled out the firearm. It's not like he's standing there and like positioned soul or something and it's not aimed. He's aiming it. And I think once you aim a firearm, that's the initiation. Like once you're aiming the firearm at me, that's an implied, okay, Maybe we're having a real firefight now. Maybe you have to deploy pepper spray if that's all you've got on you or whatever. So uh, I I think that the case would be hard to make that this was a self-defense um, situation unless the guy's gun was completely put away and he got pepper sprayed in the face first and then he pulled out his firearm and shot. But based on what I've seen, based on the timing between when you hear the spray and the shot, based on the picture I've seen where the guy's gun is already out and facing the victim while the spray is being released, it looks an awful lot like the gun was drawn and aimed at Lee prior to anything else happening. So um, it doesn't sound a lot like he was de-escalating, trying to not do anything and had to shoot in self-defense. It looks a lot like he just murdered the guy because he was angry or frustrated or whatever. And they weren't talking for that long. It, like Lee went over there and it was within a few seconds. I mean, it was almost right away. And there's another picture where like you kind of see some like a hand, like Lee's hand up by the other guy's head and people say, well, they were in an altercation, but that's not clear either because the guy's reaching it. Maybe the guy was reaching for his pepper spray. You can't tell what was happening. It's a single still image. Um, and, I, and I don't know if there's any other video, but um, there's a reason that I look at this and I don't say this is clearly self-defense like I did for Kyle Rittenhouse. I look at this and go, mm, there's a lot of evidence here that it's not just self-defense, that something else was going on here. And um, I don't I find it hard to believe that he felt so threatened when he had his, behind him was clear he could have turned around and left that he felt so threatened that hey, he had to pull out his firearm and shoot a guy. So, um, yeah, that's my synopsis of the whole thing. I don't know if you have a different opinion, Carrie, if you've seen this or, or what, what your thoughts are on this. No, I don't. Ha I haven't seen it. And 
I really appreciate you breaking down the Kyle Rittenhouse video and also this shooting for me because it's the kind of thing I just sort of, I don't know. It's one of those things I, I just, I don't really have a desire to get into well, I mean, the details of. My concern is so, always like that each side do does it. their like, oh, well, it must be that. It must be the other yeah. guy that's bad, right? And I want to be careful to not do that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on it. Uh, yeah. So I, but I do appreciate other people breaking things down for me so I can hear their perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we'll see. The guy's being charged. Um, and it's, you know, it's sad. He was a, he was a veteran. He seemed like a decent guy. He ran a hat shop, which made me think of you. He made cowboy hats oh. and, uh, and, and, you know, had a lot of love for, uh, kind of the old West nostalgia and, and. I'm so sick of so sick of this this rioting, this protesting, all the lives that have been lost as a result of this that they're just ignoring. I'm sick of the media, the the legacy media gaslighting us and using Orwellian terms like peaceful protests when what they mean is riots. The Associated Press, Libby Libby Emmons did a story on this. The Associated Press has now sent out new guidelines for journalists. To not use the word riot. Right. 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 To use right. peaceful protest. How much more Orwellian could you get? Yeah. And no, yeah. Uh, I just, I wish there were more people on the left standing up and saying enough. But I've been wishing that for four years, you know? And every they time won't. I do, it's it's like, I appreciate meeting people. We uh, Beverly and I got to interview a comedian um, who I'm, I'm friends with his wife, actually. That's how I know him. This comedian in Los Angeles said that interview is going to be coming out soon, who is on the left and who has started criticizing the left. And I love it when people on the left do that. And, and it makes the most sense to me. I don't understand people who say, well, you must be on the right because you criticize the left so, so much. It's like, no, I, the same way that you should be self-critical and working on improving yourself by extension, you should then also be working on improving your quote unquote side, the people that you represent. Yep. And why would I criticize the right? I'm not on the right. Like why? And where are the, where are the democratic leaders? Where are the progressives who are criticizing the rioting and the violence and the needless loss of life, destruction of property? Where are they? There's a few I've seen. Um, was it Noam Chomsky who was speaking out against it? And I did see Robert Reich saying some stuff about Antifa, but there's not nearly enough of it. The majority of the criticism is coming from the right. Why? It should be coming from the left. You yeah. should be calling into check your own side in the extremist part of your side because they do represent you. They do represent me. That's why if it. I, I don't understand this sort of uh, knee-jerk response of people just to be critical of the other side and not themselves. It, it sounds like it would be awful to be married to you because all you would ever do is try to blame the other person and never take responsibility for anything or for improving yourself. You would just constantly be, well, you, the, you this, you that, you this. <laughs> yep. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I do want – can I just clarify something because of what I saw, some stuff in chat? I do think we should wait for the facts, Arian, and I do think this, even this guy gets innocent until proven guilty, like that's the standard. He's innocent until proven guilty, that's the standard. There was witnesses, maybe there's other video, maybe there's other circumstances that we don't know. Um, however, 
uh, with Kyle, we, we saw what we saw, and my assessment was, seems pretty clear that it's self-defense. Maybe more evidence will come to change my mind, but the evidence that we have so far exonerates him. Uh, in this case, it seems like it's probably not self-defense, but could be other evidence. I'm not going to die on the hill if it's definitely not self-defense. If, if there's other evidence that comes out and shows it's self-defense, then that's what it is. Um, so just be careful that I'm not, I'm not saying run with this. The guy was definitely not, uh, the guy was definitely guilty of murder. We don't know. That's why we have a court system and that's why we look at evidence and take our time and try and do this dispassionately and look at all the available evidence. So, cool. but let's do, let's do a super that's chat, Carrie. This is a, it's yeah, a, it's a weird day today. I don't know why I'm in a weird mood weird today. Day. I think it's the fire stuff's in the back of my head. Um, Sean Welch, so Sean says, instead of answering the question, bid oh, Biden Harris is now changing the definition of court packing. It's starting to get scary how we move towards 1984 every more, more every day. I didn't see they were changing the definition. I have seen him not answer the question quite a lot, uh, but I haven't seen the definition change. Although that makes, that makes sense. I think when people say court packing, they mean, are you going to add more Supreme Court justices to uh, to the Supreme Court because you didn't get your way. I think that's what people yeah. generally mean. Uh, but yeah. if he redefines it, well, packing means uh, 50 justices, and we're not doing that. I'm like, okay, that's, that's nice to know. I don't know what his definition changes. Um, Uncle Bubba also gives us 20 bucks. Thank you, Uncle Bubba. Thanks, Uncle Bubba. Um, have you looked at this? Uh, have you looked at the confirmation hearings at all, Carrie? No, I haven't. I just, I have a feeling it's going to be a repeat of the Kavanaugh things, which, as you know, we had just started the podcast. Actually, we hadn't Barely. even started it. You you interviewed me on Unsafe Space, and that's when the Kavanaugh stuff was happening, and I was going yep. through probably the second of my largest uh, round of unfriendings <laughs> because, <laughs> because uh, I was still heavily in the social justice echo chamber at that time in terms of who all of my friends were. I had built, it took a while to build that kind of echo chamber. So of course it took a while to get out of it. And a lot of that happened organically because social justice friends started unfriending me. Um, the Kavanaugh thing is something that really helped to solidify my growing opinion that my side was becoming unreasonable and almost like a cult and, and very religious, like in the way that they behaved with, with di a complete disregard for truth and a willingness to do whatever it took to the, you know, that the, the, this belief that the, that the ends justify the means, which disgusted me. Yep. And you know, my opinions on that. I was livid that they were completely throwing the presumption of innocence out the window just for, just to score politically. They didn't care what they did to that man and his family. It made me so angry. And so I kind of have been thinking, well, we're going to be seeing a repeat of that. It's going to be a little harder for them this time because it's a woman. But as we know, they don't mind being hypocrites. They can tell you one thing out of one side of their mouth, which is believe all women, you know, and respect women. And if you're a man, you can't disagree with a woman because it's mansplaining or manterrupting as the uh, as the U.N. is now pushing. They're trying to make manterrupting a oh, word. Manterrupting is a um, thing. Let me interrupt you. To it's it's not a thing. But the UN is trying to make it a thing. The UN is trying to introduce this new Orwell Orwellian um, newspeak 
And they're always creating new words that denigrate entire groups of people on the basis of race and sex. It's 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 no different than the word mansplaining and in how they are going to try and use that word. But um, but they can tell you all these things about, you know, shut up and listen to black people and believe all women. And then and then they're they're lying. They don't even believe the things they're telling you. And you can see it in their behavior because the, the second a black person comes along who doesn't agree with woke ideology or a woman comes along who they don't like, they throw all that out the window and they engage in all the things they've told you you can't do. Well, you, you <laughs> got to understand. you're an they individual don't, now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't, words don't have meanings for them. I mean, we actually saw this a little bit in our uh, <laughs> debate with Justin where it was like, well, Words are just kind of arbitrary and disconnected from reality, and we can say whatever. It's like, okay, well, I mean, if that's your if that's your stance, uh, you don't even have to feel bad about using words for however you want. We use, words are just tools of manipulation to get people to change their behavior for these people. They don't care. They don't care. Yes. Look at look at how people use word. Think about what is what is a word. Word language is a tool. Okay, so when used, I think to its its best outcome, language is a tool for helping people to understand one another better, and to arrive at compromise and understanding. And so, when you're having a conversation, you should be trying to make sure that you articulate yourself as clearly as possible. This is also one reason. There's a lot of reasons I don't like to use sarcasm very much, as you know. Try to articulate like yourself, but that's okay. Yeah, but trying to articulate yourself very clearly and carefully so the other person can understand what you mean, and then and then if you're if you're listening to someone, you should be trying to understand them and asking questions and sort of restating to them is so is this what you mean? Is this what you're saying? To make sure you understand it and that you're not engaging in straw manning where you put words in their mouth or ideas in their head that they don't hold and haven't said, and then attack those things. That's, that's BS. Like you should make sure you try and understand them, even if you disagree. That's, that's, I think the proper use of, of language as a tool. Well, I mean, Ideologues I, can I just pause there it, for a second? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. functionally, just cognitively, language is just a tool of identification. It's just this thing in objective reality exists. We identify it. That's what it is. It's an identification right. of reality. And if you suspend the concept of an objective reality because you're, let's say, a fan of Derrida or you're, you're a postmodernist who doesn't believe in objective reality, then you've disconnected language from its use. Like the, re the reason that it's yeah. communicable, the reason we can communicate with language, the reason that it's a tool for communication is because we have a common basis called reality that we are communicating yes. about. And I'm saying, I saw a black cat walk across the street. That means something to you. You can put those concretes in your head and go, oh, I understand what a black cat is and what a street is and what walking across is. And the fact that he saw it, like he's communicating information and, well, about reality to me. <laughs> I'm going to woman interrupt you. Uh, <laughs> the, what the postmodernists do is they try to remove all agreement and truth from words. They say there is no objective truth and they try and they use, they use uh, words and language as a tool, but as a tool for making everything more confusing. And so they're doing the opposite. They're not trying to use it for understanding and coming to compromise. They're trying to use it to, so that you can't reach any point of understanding and ideologues. I would say those are the postmodernists, but the, the Marxist ideologues, the ones who lean more to the Marxist side of this this woke ideology, they use words as a tool, but the tool is for uh, it's more of a weapon, like you said. It's it's, it's a tool to shut down. 
Yeah, it's for manipulation of truth, manipulation, and it's for um, uh, fear. They use words to try and keep you from being able to have conversation. So they will say things like, um, instead of trying to articulate their ideas and provide evidence and argumentation, they will say, here's here's one of their magic word phrases. They will say, it's emotional labor. I'm not going to do that. So they, boom, shut everything down. Or they'll say, uh, it's not my job to educate you. Boom, shut everything down. Or they will say, your opinion is simply X, Y, Z. Like it is simply white splaining, mansplaining, mantra, whatever. And then boom, shut everything down. If you look, almost all of what, what we call their magic words, SJW magic words, are tools to shut down communication and understanding so that the conversation can go nowhere. Well, and That's they have they to use- do that, right? They have to do that because, and when they, they employ that tool because you're going into the conversation assuming that words correspond to some reality. You catch them in some contradiction. Hey, you said believe all women, but she's a woman and like whatever. You think that you're you're coming in naive, right? Oh, I, I don't, you know, you said this, but this is contradictory. When they get caught, when they get caught, they need to sidestep the conversation. They need to get out of this trap. Like they've set this trap yeah. for themselves because they're using language totally disconnected from its meaning. They don't care. So as soon as you catch them in that, they just need some, they need to throw out a magic word to sidestep it and be like, ah, lived experience. Yeah. Bye. It's like a smoke bomb. It's like Batman throwing a smoke yes. bomb. and then Yeah. It's like, boom. Yeah, exactly. A smoke bomb and <laughs> you're like, gone. You're off. That's your, that's your toxic masculinity. Boom. Yeah. Did it work? Did it work? I've disappeared. You know, yeah. you're a racist. Boom. Did it work? Yes. No, don't. Yeah. And it only works if you give, if you, if you believe in their magic. Don't believe in their magic. Their magic is BS. <laughs> right. Because so, actually uh, it's not real smoke. They, They're just going, smoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smoke. Look at the smoke. I'm like, yeah, there's no smoke there. Yeah, you're just using smoke. words. <laughs> yeah. try and you're actually defending your argument or offering any explanation or, or you know, you're just throwing an insult, you know. Um, it's, the, sorry, the, it's the intellectual equivalent of, my God, what's that? It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm not going to look, dude. I'm <laughs> Thank well, you. one thing I was, I was thinking about and I was talking about after we did that interview with uh, Justin, which if you guys haven't seen it, we, we got to interview um, Justin. I'm blanking on his last name, but he, he goes by Justin Gibson. And on Twitter, he's SJW Debates. And I really appreciate that he sat down with us. And as we discovered in talking with him, see, social justice ideology is like this weird marriage between postmodernism and Marxism. Justin te- seems to us to lean more towards the postmodernist side, which is interesting because I think that makes him at least – I think the ones who le- le- lean more towards the postmodernist side are at least more open to de- debate and discussion, first of all. But you find that it's hard true. to pin them down on things because they don't believe there's any objective truth and wor- what do words mean. They mean nothing. So someone in the chat had a good question for him. I think it was – Christ, however you say that. Christ. He had a question and he said, you know, what is a woman? Who's a woman? And Justin said, anyone who identifies as a woman. And then I said, well, who's black? And he said, well, yeah, anyone who identifies as black. So like Rachel Dolezal? Yeah. At least he's consistent there, right? Right. But Which, that's, that's his where postmodernism where, showing, not his critical. That's postmodernism. And that's where you get to where you can see that words have no meaning because, like you're saying, Carter, we can all look at a cat. We've all agreed that we're calling this creature a cat. If you're saying that a cat is anything that identifies as a cat or that I identify as a cat, then we can never have a conversation because it's like, 
I could be, I could be, well, a dog is a cat to me. A dog's a cat. I'm going to call a dog a cat. My well, lived now, experience what, is that I'm a cat. What? Right, There's yeah. no basis in reality anymore. And words became, become on the postmodernist side of social justice ideology, words just become meaningless. Right. And, and in which case, why are you even talking? <laughs> Well, that's why like, that's why postmodernists are more likely to have a debate because there's nothing to fear from the debate because words are meaningless. Yeah. So we're just going to speak some sounds at each other. None of them mean anything. Who cares? The end. Right. Whereas a Marxist is like, no, no, no. Like I need the revolution. I like and, and ideas are very dangerous to me. A Marxist has got that Stalinist idea of what was the quote from Stalin? Uh, uh, we don't let our enemies have guns. Why would we let them have ideas? <laughs> like, yeah, that's the Stalin quote. Right. Yeah. Like that's. Ideas are very, very scary. But to a postmodernist, ideas don't really matter because they're just words and words are irrelevant and they're a construct. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. The ones who – most of the SJWs I've known lean more on the Marxism side. Yes, but, me too. Uh, and they use postmodernism sparingly to weasel out of things. But they, they are more on the Marxist side. And it was interesting to talk to someone who leans more to the postmodernist side of it. So – yeah, no, that that was interesting, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I this when you, you we talked about the Amy uh, Coney Barrett thing. I I watched a little bit of the confirmation hearings this morning. I'm sorry that I did, but like one of the Democrats was like, he said he called originalism right, which is the interpreting the Constitution strictly right. He called originalism a smokescreen and a form of judicial activism. And wait, he, he called what? Originalism, like okay. the like interpreting the Constitution or law as it was originally intended, like trying to be strict right. about the interpretation, which is which is aligned with with her judicial philosophy. He he called it a smokescreen for judicial activism. <laughs> Which is which is the opposite. That's what that's right. That's what, what I was thinking. thinking. I was like, oh, so this is completely projection. Like it's totally you guys are yeah. totally about judicial <laughs> activism. Like this is one hundred percent projection. Because what's the opposite of originalism? It's saying, oh no, it's it can be changed and interpreted however you want. That's judicial activism, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I can't believe he's saying this with a straight face on national television, and everyone's like. Like, what? what insanity are we living in? Like, that? It, he literally, it's like he just said, well, the definition of hot is cold. <laughs> and everyone, yeah. all this, all the people in suits and the talking heads are like, yes, very, very good. Good, good point. It, I, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, the insanity. And, and the, you know, the other thing that really pisses me off about this? Well... There's lots of things that piss me off about this, but this is a recurring thing, and you're going to see it. You're seeing it now with um, her confirmation hearings. <sighs> now Obamacare is presented as the standard, and it's a catastrophe if it gets repealed somehow, right? So they're trying to do Obamacare as a litmus test for her, among other things. Uh, Roe v. Wade is one, but Obamacare is one because Obamacare is – there's going to be a Supreme Court vote involving uh, our case involving Obamacare shortly after the election. So they're they're really worried about her rulings around Obamacare. And the way that this is framed, and, and this is how you know what side mainstream media is on. 
if you had any doubt, they're always on the side of bigger government, right? So it's presented as, so let's, let's keep in mind, Obamacare's new. Most of us grew up most of our lives without Obamacare. It's a new thing. It, it's new. They're presenting it as like, oh my God, if Obamacare goes away, it will be a catastrophe. You're killing people. And they've got, they pull, they pull out sob stories. Little Connor is blah, 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 blah. It's very sad. But if you, you just want to kill him, right? Okay. Like you, you want to take his healthcare away, blah, 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 blah. right? So <laughs> this is the cycle. They, um, they find a sob story because, because nothing's perfect in the world. Right? There is no perfect system. So they find someone who's suffering. And instead of doing what a moral person would do, which is go around and voluntarily ask people to contribute to help the suffering person or contribute their own time, right? Like do something convincing people that we should help this person because they're suffering. Instead well, of that put your money where your mouth is. Right. Instead of that, what they do is they they parade the suffering person around in front of the media. And, and they, they act like the cause, the cause isn't even questioned. The cause is always assumed to be some free market thing. And the, and the solution is always assumed to be the government has to do something. Well, we have to, this, this case will be solved if we just pass the legislation and expansion of power that I want. We just need more of the government to do blah, blah, blah. The government can fix bleh, whatever it is. Always, always. And so then... Dumb people pull the lever. Yeah, we need more government fixing little Johnny's problem. They pull, they pull the lever, and little Johnny's <laughs> problem may get fixed. But then, like, little Sally and little Timmy and, like, 18 other people pop up because they caused more problems because they expanded the government reach and did more crap. And what do they do? Are they upset about that? No. Now they just have more sob cases to go back to the American public with and say, like, hey – Look at this. Look at Timmy and Sally. Here's some more subcase. We didn't do enough. We need to do more. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone, like an idiot, goes, yeah, I guess the cause is a free market. I guess we need more government. It is the – this is why I hate democracy. The inanity of this is almost unfathomable to me. Um, and they do things like – especially with Obamacare. They conflate not paying with something with denying it. So it's like, well, the insurance companies don't want to pay for your abortion. But they don't say it that way. They say, they're denying a woman's right to do an abortion. No, they're just not writing you a fucking check. That's what they're not doing. They're not, they're not, they're just not writing you a check. And you want to go buy insurance that will write a check for your abortion? Feel free. Go buy insurance for that. Um, of course, you can't because insurance is so heavily regulated now that, uh, I mean, now I think a lot of insurance might cover it. But um, yeah, I, if you're interested in how the government made healthcare like here there's a really good article i'm not gonna walk i won't read the article i'll put it up here so that people will force me to share it in the notes this is from 2017 it's from the mises institute yes the mises institute how government regulations made healthcare so expensive you can you can follow this if you're interested in economics i'm not going to read this but you can you can look we have not had a free market in healthcare for decades. We haven't even had anything close to a free market in healthcare for decades. There's no way that you can possibly blame what's going on with uh, you can, on, on the free market. We are so intensely regulated, 
And and by the way, it's it's organizations like the AMA are partly responsible because they want to restrict the supply of doctors. Why? Because they want doctors to make a lot of money, and because their their members are doctors. So like this is this is horribly corrupt. And the U.S. has had its grimy little pause in healthcare for over a century, and yet we're always blaming the free market for every freaking problem. And I'm sick of it. And, I, and I'm sick of people not understanding how insurance works. This whole, like, how, how can you have pre-existing conditions? Like, you recognize that forcing people to accept pre-existing conditions will necessarily raise everyone's rates for all eternity. And they will just keep going up. Like, I don't, anyone who doesn't understand that is a literal moron. That's what insurance does. You can't. You can't not understand that. That's how peop- markets no, work. People don't. They don't. They don't understand. And they they don't. I didn't understand for oh, a long on. time. The left appeals to feelings and emotion <laughs> only. They don't look at consequences of policies. Okay. They don't look at things, how, how things work. And and. You know, to go back to your point about how they're pretending now like Obamacare is a standard and it's very new. They did the same thing with welfare. They did the same thing with the Dream Act. Um, Dream Act was meant to be temporary and then they were going to find a solution. But no, now it's become, you know, I I grew up thinking of, I'll just put myself up there as an example. I thought of things like welfare as well, yeah, of course we need welfare. It's permanent. We've always had welfare, you know, like we've always had X, Y, Z program. Little kids who are growing up today are probably going to feel that way about Obamacare. Like, yeah, you can't get rid of Obamacare. We've always had Obamacare. Why? It's not enshrined in the constitution. Yet we come to believe, at least a lot of us on the left come to believe these things are necessary, that, that they can't be repealed. You think of them as very hard, solid um, programs that's built into the fabric. Well, because now American people are government. relying on it. That's the goal, right? You get people to rely on it, and then there's noticeable pain when it's removed, right? Right. So, like, if I if I wanted to manipulate you, Carrie, right? I would, I you know, and I had a bunch of money. Let's say I could print money, for example, right? I could say, Carrie, you don't have to worry about your mortgage. I have a new program where uh, women named Carrie Smith get free mortgage. Do you like that? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll vote for that. Vote, vote, vote. Great. So now I'm paying your mortgage. Okay. So now, now someone comes along and they're like, Hey, why are we paying Carrie's mortgage? And, and I point to Carrie and I'm like, well, she's relying on us. Poor Carrie. She's relying on us to pay mortgage. Cause you know, maybe you quit your job and you started only knitting. I don't know what you did. Like, you're like, I don't have to pay my mortgage anymore. Screw it. Right. <laughs> so like now yeah. you're relying on me. Now I'm your sugar daddy from a like government perspective. Now I'm the mm-hmm. sugar daddy. And oh, and by the way, can you just, you know, this Keep other voting. bad guy wants to remove your, your mortgage payment, Carrie. And I'm all about helping you, aren't I? It, it's so, <laughs> it's so transparently manipulative and evil. I don't, I really don't understand the entire category of people who nod their heads at that. And like, that's a great idea. I don't get it. Well, that was me for a long time. <laughs> I don't get it though. Now, now I've started questioning a lot of government programs um, because, and, and trying to figure out what I think about them individually and whether I think they should be permanent or, 
have they run their course, like those kind of things. I never used to think that way. I never used to think that way. Yeah, you so. know, Brett Weinstein said something that I I liked. I think I mentioned before, but he said something that, um, as much as I disagree with him on some things, uh, he made a point about uh, feelings and and empathy and the place for feelings and empathy. And, and his point, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, if you want to come up with an empathetic solution, you have to bar emotion from the analysis. You have to have a rational, as rational and objective and non-empathetic analysis as possible. You have to only look at the facts and use reason to do your analysis, right? Because if you let empathy in to your analysis, you get skewed results and then you're actually not dealing with reality at that point, right? You ha you need the objective uh, approach and to be objective as possible because reality is objective. <laughs> like reality doesn't have yeah. contradictions. So you really need to understand reality. It's actually it's more, it's empathetic to take your emotions out of your analysis. Right. It's more empathetic to take your emotions out yeah, of your Yeah, there you analysis. go. That's, that's maybe a yeah. better way to say it. Yeah. 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 And I, I've, I've, this is a, this is a point that I've tried to make, but maybe failed. I mean, I don't, I think true empathy, true empathy requires doing that. And I've, I've said that for years, like true empathy requires not feeling about the thing that you're making a decision about. Like that's what empathy is because empathy recognizes, oh, not only do I need to help this person, but I need to help them here in reality. So while I'm trying to figure out what reality is, I need to be objective about my analysis of reality. Otherwise my model will be skewed and the thing that I'm gonna do to try and help the person is gonna be wrong because it's gonna be based on a model that's not correct. And that's just dumb. Empathy requires, actual practiced empathy requires long-term objective analysis of stuff. Um, but that's just not what's done. And they're going to do this healthcare litmus test with uh, with Amy Barrett, and they're going to do the Roe v. Wade litmus test, and they're going to do all this other stuff, and you're going to see them catastrophize everything. You're going to see them be like, well, how could we not have Obamacare? Little Johnny's going to die, and you're you want to take away you want to take away healthcare of these people during a pandemic, right? They're going to, they're going to make all these arguments and, um, and they're going to conflate not paying with denying and they're going to do all that kind of stuff. And it's going to sicken me over the next week. Have you ever seen this comedian Remy? He's on reason magazine a lot. And he, he does a lot of parody so. or videos, like really funny videos. He did one a couple years ago where he's, playing a congressman and he's singing this song in Congress and the song is called people will die. <laughs> and, and it's so unfortunately relevant all the time because that really is the hyperbolic argument they make for everything. People will die. People will die. You know, yep. Yep. vote for this or people will die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's never any, you know, just the economics, I think, the, one of the only things you have to understand about some of the economic experts, um, <clears throat> mainly on the left, but I think there's some on the right who think this, they believe that breaking a window contributes to the economy, right? Because <laughs> their argument goes, well, once you break the window, now the shop owner, let's say you broke a window in a bakery, the bakery owner's got to go buy a new window. So he has to buy, he has to, someone has to make the window. He's got to pay the guy to put the window in. Hey, look, look at all the jobs that have been created and, and like, look at the economic activity that's happened 
from Breaking Window, um, which is kind of, uh, we'll say, neo-Keynesian uh, uh, perspective on economic productivity. But at the end of the day, if you hadn't broke the window, you would have all those same resources and not a broken window. Um, so what they don't do is they don't they don't look at the other side of the equation. Let's say the window costs 500 bucks to repair. It's a big window and complicated. Well, the bakery owner had 500 bucks and a shop with a window, and now he has a shop with a window, and he doesn't have 500 bucks. Yeah, that's not economic improvement. That 500 bucks, maybe he was going to go buy a new bread kneading machine or a new oven or whatever. Like, it's not destruction is not creation of economic prosperity. It's just not. It never is. But this is often how they look at things, especially with respect to the government. Oh, the government's going to pay for blah, blah, blah. Okay, but to do that, you're going to take twice as much out of the economy, out of the pockets of people that were going to do something else with that money. You're going to spend it inefficiently, and you're going to allocate it in a way that maybe people don't want it allocated necessarily. Um, But you're definitely going to be wasteful about it. That money was better sitting back with the people who earned it in the first place. Because even if you do nothing with your money but stick it in the bank, it gets it gets loan, lent out. It gets it it produces for the economy. People borrow it. People borrow on it with fractional reserve banking. They borrow 10 times of it or whatever. People borrow it and it's used to start businesses and do other things. Even if you just save it. The only way your money's not helping anyone is if you stick it literally in your mattress or what, like whatever. But in a normal system, all that money is producing value. It doesn't need to be taken out, given to bureaucrats, and reallocated in order to create value. But the left always just looks at the one side of the equation. If we spend more money, we'll help these people. Yeah, but where do you get the money? And where you get the money, they get it from two places. They steal it from people or they print it. And when they print it, they're stealing it from your grandkids or your kids. Uh, Sorry, I I know you don't like financial discussions. I just, I couldn't help it. No, I I appreciate them. And they help me to, uh, I'm practicing concentrating when people talk about the economy and money. (laughs) I know. Okay. I know. Let's, yeah, we should catch up. There's been a lot of super chats. Thank you guys. Let's do BW85. Do you see his or do you want me to do it? No, you do it. I can't scroll back that far. Uh, BW85 says the new AP guidelines are to use the term unrest. Some of the protests aren't quite at the level of a riot, so I think unrest is an acceptable term. Some of them are, and they should use the word unrest. But the ones that are at the riot level should probably use the word, I don't know, riot. Zybin64, have you heard of aphantasia, inability to imagine? Imagine an apple. Zero to five scale. How vivid is it? It's a zero for 2% of the population. We think in words. Interesting. So I have heard of this. I don't remember where. You only think in terms of words. It's fascinating. Um, It doesn't negate anything about the function of language, but it's fascinating. Nevertheless, you know when you're ordering an apple, you don't expect them to serve uh, words on a plate to you. You do expect to eat. Uh, Libertas 26. Thank you, Libertas. Libertas says, until we abandon this zero-sum belief that one tribe is good and the other tribe is evil, we as a people will not be able to move forward. I wouldn't call that a zero-sum belief, although I think we should abandon those as well. That's like a black and white tribalist 
belief that you use the word tribes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I can we say they're both evil? <laughs> I'm, I don't like either tribe. <laughs> what were you going to say, Carrie? I just wanted to go back for a second to the previous super chat, Aphantasia. Oh, sorry. It took me a second. But, yes, I have heard of that, the inability to imagine and you're saying for a very small percent of the population, 2%. for two percent, that it's they can't imagine, they can't visually imagine something at all. Yes, I've read about this. It's been a while, but I remember thinking it was very interesting. I want to go look that up now. I also there's a word for I forget what it is, but it's people who people who have their senses, like sense of smell, connected to uh, words. And I forget that that was also very interesting. And, and I met a guy, a gentleman at Walkaway who's like that, who like different words have different smells and uh, almost like tactile sensations for him. It's very interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. The human brain is fascinating. There's so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Derek? No, uh, Pirate Tomsky. Do you see Pirate Tomsky's? No. Thanks, Pirate Tomsky. He says, uh, leftists say to me something like, Trump is racist, so I ask for evidence, and all they ever say is, it's not my job to educate you. Go Google it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the sidestep we were talking about. There ding, you go. Ding, 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 Pirate Tomsky. This is why you need to get our, our <laughs> unsafe space social justice warrior bingo card, and then you can just start checking off the boxes when they use all these magic words and phrases. Yeah. All right, let's see. Sorry, guys, just scrolling to the next super chat. Okay, Derek. You, okay, so it's Derek. You can read Derek, right? Derek. Thank you, Derek. He says, I talked with a DNC volunteer, and when I mentioned court packing, he changed the subject to RBG's last wishes. I second that court packing has been redefined. Yeah, it has been. And, and yeah, of course, they changed the subject. Again, avoiding... Avoiding engagement, avoiding conversation, avoiding speaking truth. It's yeah, just, yeah, the, and they were. I guess I, this is another example of projecting, right? It's like, oh, you're asking us about court packing. The Republicans are court packing because they're filling vacancies in the courts. That's what they're. I think yeah, that's, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Westy 40. Thank you, Westy. Westy says, I love the Brett Weinstein interview, but I was at a loss how he doesn't see where the primary threat is coming from. Brett and Heather were literally canceled for wrong speak. Well, let me answer that first, because I think he does. And I think maybe Carter would agree with me now that we've spoken. He does see where the primary threat was coming from, is coming from. But he um, he has a different method of addressing it. That's how I would say. I would no, I, I I would say he recognizes the threat, but I don't think he correctly recognizes where it's coming from. He, for, as far as I'm concerned, like he thinks that it's coming from the duopoly, uh, and I do not think the threat comes from the duopoly. He thinks the duopoly creates the SJW threat, which is why he's going, which makes well, sense. That's why he's going after the duopoly. I don't. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'll just say that wasn't the interpretation I had of his opinion on on the threat. Oh, what do you think? But he, that's a, that, that's what I thought. No, what I think you, he. Okay. Yeah, I think he thinks the duopoly is a problem, and there are a lot of problems coming from the duopoly. I don't. 
but I don't think he thinks that's where woke this this current ideological threat is coming from. Where does he think the current? Any, anyway, is? okay. Well, I mean, that well, was his I'm answer not, when I asked him. him about where it's I'm coming. I'm not him. From. His answer was the duopoly. So, right. Well, I'm not him. So. All right. None your biz. Do you want to do none your biz? Yeah, I just go back and watch that interview, everyone. Um, yeah. Okay, none your biz. Thank, uh, he says, Drew Carey invented postmodernism on whose line is it anyway with his mission statement of where everything is made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> there's a thank you. There's a really good. I, I love that show. In in um, in one of Michael Rechtenwald's books, and we talked about it in the interview I did with him. But in one of his books, he he poaches a in a an admonition from his father that perfectly describes postmodernism. His dad wasn't talking about postmodernism. His dad was was um, trying to make a dig at him, but he said, you're very good with words, aren't you? Like the implication being like there's only with words and not with anything in reality. And Rechtenwald took that and was like, oh, that's what postmodernism is. They're very good with words, <laughs> but not anything else. Uh, it's yeah. a great way to think about it. Uh, per. Per gives us, is that a pound? A pound forty nine. Thank you. Pound forty nine. Oh no, it's and a, a euro. Rose. It's a euro. A euro. Yeah, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to currencies in other countries. Sorry, Nicole of the Mountain People. Hello, friend. She says I'm loving the potty mouse. Of course you do, Nicole. She says it shows passion. F you, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I try not to swear, but. Thank you, Nicole. I yeah, we try not to. Nice. We I think we only we let loose two of them today. We'll try and keep it at those two. Uh, Daniel and Keen. then Daniel Keene. Thank you, Daniel. He says there are three options for healthcare: good, good quality, affordable, and available to everyone. You can only have two of these options. Decide which two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm. I don't know. It depends on your definition of affordable and good quality, right? Everything's a gradation. Um, I think in a free market, you basically have some form of health care available to everyone, and the cheap stuff isn't great, and the expensive stuff is superb, and prices come down over time, just like iPhones, or not iPhones, yeah, iPhones, computers, anything else, right? The the quality of your iPhone today is you know, 10x what it was 10 years ago, probably, I don't know. Uh, um, well, I think I would choose the first two, Daniel. Columbus, Columbus Cynic says, oh, just gives us 50 bucks. Thanks, Columbus Cynic. Just to be clear, I wouldn't choose anything because I would leave it up to people to choose what they wanted for their own, for themselves. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, thank you. I think that's uh, Columbus. Are Is we that it? Up? Are we caught up? No, we're not. There's more. Oh, Mac Daddy. You got Mac Daddies? No, you do it. Thank you, MacDaddy. MacDaddy says, here's 10 bucks for the economics rant. If socialists, BLM, Antifa were actually concerned about economic inequality, they would be burning down the Federal Reserve. Yes! And not their own cities. Thank you, MacDaddy. That's the target. You care about economic inequality, burn down the Fed. Uh, no, I'm but not telling not anyone to go do that. that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not inciting violence. Disclaimer, blah, blah, blah. But really, go burn down the Fed. Um, no! no. <laughs> he's saying is that he's Gosh, Carter... I know you're kidding, but we're going to make it so easy for people to take words out of context and and try Look, and – yeah, anyway. If you I know want to abolish saying, something, abolish the Federal Reserve. You can do it. Abolish the Federal Reserve. You can do it. Um, if you can do it peacefully, do it peacefully. Abolish the Federal Reserve. Vote for people like Ron Paul who will audit the Fed, 
um, and start just ask questions. They don't want you to ask questions about the Federal Reserve. Uh, it's the big mystery that no one, no one wants you to ask questions about. And by the way, you will discover we're kind of in a plutocracy, maybe an oligarchy, depending on how you look at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Definitely not on board with burning down any <laughs> building. I'm just making that very Carrie clear. Will let me joke. I know. Okay. Oh God. Okay. Revelator thirty-seven. Thank you. Says for the swear jar. Step up your game, Carter. Messina Jason. I can't say that word. Messen. Mess. I can't say that word. It means um, oh, miscegenation. Now. Yeah, miscegenation. It means interracial marriage. marriage. Uh, Miss Dogtastic. Or Dogtastic, sorry. Dogmatic. <laughs> sorry. Dogtastic. Go ahead, Carrie. Uh, she says, if government didn't push industrial agriculture, often cause of bad health and the farm, uh, pharmaceutical industry, the cure, people wouldn't rely so much on health care. Oh, God. You are getting into some really, like, yeah. Deep, it's deep. I, I want to say deep in, like, a philosophic, but, like, deep in a conspiratorial sense or just, like, in a in a in a sense of of really undermining stuff yeah you've got this you've got massive subsidies for for agriculture you've got and they always do it in the name of some you know again they'll they'll prop up some poor farmer and be like this is why we have to do it uh and you've got uh you've got a massive uh almost fascist relationship with pharmaceutical companies where there's this this kind of government slash private collaboration and like you've got FDA rules which keep smaller people out and you've got you've got all this kind of crap going on and uh no incentive to do anything but keep people eating cheap by the way you want to know why corn syrup is in everything high fructose corn syrup because corn was subsidized that's why that's why corn syrup is in everything because corn was subsidized by your very own federal government so like you've got this subsidization of unhealthy stuff and then you've got this uh this kind of oligarchical pharmaceutical cabal pushing solutions that are just making people sicker and then you've got the opioid crisis probably related right that it's it the whole thing is just such a cesspool uh yeah that that's they a did, can of worms they did these ads i don't know if you guys remember they were doing ads supporting uh high fructose corn syrup do you guys remember these Where was the woman at a party and she has punch and and she starts to pour the punch and the other mom is like oh that's got high fructose corn syrup in it and she's like and and then she starts listing all these positive things about corn do you guys remember these ads i don't remember that <laughs> okay so at the time i was still in entertainment and i managed this comedian really funny she's woke unfortunately but She's, I still find some of her stuff very funny. And uh, her name's Selene Luna. She's a little person and a comedian and a burlesque dancer. And she did this hilarious satirical commercial with Jackie B, who's a drag queen, and this other comedian, Nadia Ginsburg. And if it's still on YouTube, we are putting the link in the description today because it is so funny. They basically take that the corn ad and they redo it to point out how absurd this is that you're pushing something awful <laughs> and it's such a funny takedown i love I actually really love satire it's i know i come off of the show i uh, sometimes i'm very much against sarcasm or saying things you don't believe just because like we talked about at the beginning look at how they are trying to 
they're trying to take down Tim Pool. They're going to come for us at some point if our audience gets big enough. And I just don't want to make that job easy for them. And sarcasm is, is I think a great tool, but you need to know how to use it and and when to use it and use it sparingly when it's the best tool for the job. That's all. That's all. I love, I actually love satire and these videos are great. So we'll link them. Yeah. All right. But, but yeah, they were like corn. It's good for you. Try it. You might like it. That was the tagline. You might like it. Yeah. Oh, and you had, you know, well, you had the food pyramid being pushed by the federal government when I was growing yeah. up, right? It was like eat as much carbs as possible. It's basically the food pyramid is almost a complete inversion of what you should do. Not not entirely, but like it's just it's just like this like, OK, uh, but, you know, they push it all. And then, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I'll, I'll stop. Yeah, deep topic, deep topic there in the super chat. Okay, yeah, per, we should, by the way, we could have someone on. We should have someone on the show that wants to talk about this. Um, there's a yeah. few people I follow on Instagram, holistic depression coach, and some other people who could probably talk about some of this stuff. But um, I would love to. Yeah. All so right, per. per says, could it be that actually the normal people really need people with aphantasia because they cannot get tricked so easily by impregnating words? Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Is that is I don't know what the effects of aphantasia are in terms of getting tricked with words. Is that, does that mean you don't get tricked? I don't know. I don't know. You think entirely in words, maybe you're more susceptible to being tricked. I don't know. Yeah, if you don't Will have Charles- those words very clearly, like if you don't have them tied to concretes and in a hierarchy, it might actually be easier to get tricked. I don't know. Like if you think of cat and you cannot visually imagine a cat. Right. It might be then easier I, for saying killing a cat to tell you a dog like is a cat. <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, if they say if they say a dog is a cat, it might be easier for you to be manipulated because you can't visually get like when we say 98, what I guess it's around 98 percent of the population. If I say cat, you can picture a cat. So for somebody to come along and say, no, a dog is a cat. Got that visual image right. already. You know, it's kind of right. maybe harder. I don't know. Will Charlton. Thank you. Will Charlton says workplace harassment is tied to making a person uncomfortable. If CRT and BLM make me uncomfortable, should I take this up with HR? Yes. Totally. You should take this up with HR. Yeah. In fact, and, you should take it up with HR before they get to your company. Yeah. So. You should take it up with HR and you should visit um, uh, James Lindsay's website, uh, Better Discourses. And is it Better Discourses? Oh, no, New Discourses. I get the two mixed new up discourses. now. Better Discourses. New Discourses. New Discourses. Yeah, go to New Discourses, James Lindsay's site. He has resources and tools for addressing CRT in your workplace. Yep. Want to do the next one? No, you do it. Michael Tanner. Thank you, Michael. Michael says, every time I hear people talk about postmodernism, it makes me mentally sick. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's, it's not a fun topic, but we got to talk about it sometimes. Because it's in use quite effectively. All right. I think that is that the end or is there more? Are I think good? it's the end. I think it's I the think end. I think we're good. Yeah. Thank you guys for all the super chats. If there's anything you want to talk about, let us know. Can I do I, a, uh, a funny thing? Or no, you got something else? Okay. You save your funny thing because I'm about to talk about funny, something anyways. really Go ahead. Yeah. So I got, I, as you know, I like true crime. And uh, someone in the super chat on Friday suggested that I check out the YouTube channel um, profiling evil. And I did, Mm. and they're currently covering a case that's going on in, uh, Tennessee. And I just, 
again, just talking about the conversations we've had about trying to understand evil, what is evil. And, you know, I have some friends who are atheists who not, not you Carter, I don't think, but a friend of mine who believes that evil is not real and that anything evil a human does is basically, um, something that we don't understand scientifically yet that can be fixed in the future once we do understand it you can give a pill to cure every type of evil so it's like a determinist approach yeah a determinist approach i just don't believe that and so this case again i was like i believe in free will and and yes i think there are certain um obviously science has shown us that some people that have a proclivity for crime have different uh theta activity in their brain and there are definitely th- medicines like Ritalin or, or things that can be used to help. And certainly, but I don't think, I don't, I do think evil is not just some manifestation of something, some wiring that's gone wrong. I think it is a conscious choice that some people make and they enjoy it. And this, this case that's in the news in Tennessee is this guy, Joe Guy Jr., who butchered his parents. And in his 30s, they had, they've been supporting him his whole life. And they had decided they were going to quit supporting him. And so he killed them. And he he had a detailed journal about how to do it. And he was pretty intelligent. He went to a science and math boarding school like I did, it, uh, where you where they take gifted kids out and put them in a school for 11th and 12th grade. So it's, it's not like some mental uh, defect when it comes to intelligence. Um, there could definitely be something else wrong with him. But if you watch him, I was watching some of the stuff and – his his siblings are during the victim impact statements were were crying of course and talking about how he took their parents away and he had this whole detailed journal of how he was going to do it very systematic of what he was going to do and not just killed them but like butchered butchered them after the fact and did awful things and um as they're talking and they're showing all this emotion he's just sitting there completely unmoved no remorse like like he's sitting watching the news just completely because that's a yeah like probably psychopath but i i know this isn't a topical news thing the kind of thing we usually talk about but it is in the news in tennessee currently and maybe we have some true crime fans who are watching this but i watched something like that and it 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 convinces me of that evil exists and i was wondering what you think about the topic of evil which we've talked about before um i mean i, I don't think that yeah, I e- evil is how we categorize certain behavior. Like I don't, of course, evil exists. Like yeah, y- you don't need. I get I get the determinists that are like, oh, it's just some crossed wires, and someday we'll be able to give them a pill. Okay, even if that were true, which I don't believe it is. Um, even if that were true, that doesn't mean it's not evil. Like it's, like right. Their their actions are right. evil, um, you know, and and I would say, in general, we we call I I call actions evil that violate individual rights, and that um, and so that that includes things like attempts to gain a value through deceit, which is lying, and includes things like stealing, um, and then I have a lesser standard for things that are like mean but not evil necessarily, but like. And usually we call also we call people evil who are who take pleasure in the suffering of others. Like that's a form of sadism that we generally call right. like um, call evil. But there's no you don't need to throw out the just because there might be under 
underlying causes that we figure out. You don't need to throw out the concept of evil and say what there's, it's not evil. Um, that's just not, that's not the way it is. Yeah. And as we've learned from Charles Murray, uh, there's a half, roughly half of personality is just, we don't know. We don't know what it is. Like half of it's correlated to genetics and the other half, basically like. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. So, um, I mean, if you're going to have conversations with people, you kind of have to assume that free will exists because you're trying to convince people of things. And like, otherwise, if you don't think free will exists, you can just curl up in the corner and die and no one has to talk to you. Like it doesn't, there's no, <laughs> you're just a cog in a machine. So you kind of have to behave like free will exists. And so even if you are, I'm not a determinist, but even if you are, you kind of just need to accept that we live under this assumption of free will and therefore things are evil. Some things, some things are good. Um, yeah, I think it, it is, isn't psychopathy, the inability to, uh, have any empathy at all. Something like that. Isn't like there's a, there's a condition where you like literally can't feel. And so they tend to, they tend to try and look around and mimic other people's feelings if they're trying to be deceptive and like, oh, this is what people do when their dog dies. I'll try and cry. Yes. Right. Um, right. So. And they also, yeah. I think they, I'm trying to remember what the difference is between a psychopath and a sociopath. I believe the psychopath also takes pleasure in harming others. Whereas a sociopath has remember. a lack of, a lack of that, that has that same removed kind of lack of empathy and a lack of understanding other people's feelings and emotions. But the psychopath takes pleasure in their hurting people. I need to look at it. I don't up. know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. But yeah. Um. So okay. I wasn't watching anything political. You know what I, I watched just, over the weekend? Yeah. What? I watched, uh, what's it called? The Plot Against the President. Um, what is that? It's a documentary by, so there was a book by a guy named Lee Smith who wrote a book called The Plot Against the President, and they made a movie out of it. It kind of felt like an ad for Devin Nunes a little bit because he's like the hero of this documentary, but... Um, it was really, really good. And if you haven't been following any of the Spygate stuff um, or any of the stuff about um, the how the deep state has tried to construct this false Russian narrative and like all the stuff they've done, like you haven't followed that at all. Um, it's a it's a good it's a good place to start and see, you know, if you don't want to read, it's like an hour, I don't know, hour and a half or something long. It's a pretty good documentary. And you come away with at least a feeling for some of the stuff that's been going on in at, at a high level to undermine Trump, whether you like Trump or not, there's, there's quite a lot of evidence. And Devin Nunes is kind of the hero of this because he's the guy that just kept pushing and was persistent and tried to get information out. And I'm hoping that we see more and more, um, I, I'm hoping that we learn more and more about what went on as more documents are released unredacted, but I don't expect them to be reported on by the mainstream media. I mean, we now basically know that we know that so much of this was made up and we know that there were bad actors, but no one's holding them accountable. We don't, I don't expect them to be held accountable. The media is not going to talk about them at all, but at least we know, at least it's exposed. And if you haven't, you know, Spygate's a pretty good book by Dan Bongino. Um, 
but there's probably been one since then that are good. I, I haven't read the plot against the president, but the documentary is pretty good. Oddly enough, by the way, IMDb cat- categorizes that as a documentary, comma, comedy, which I'm not sure. Interesting. Maybe they don't want you to take it seriously. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Well, and didn't good. they, like I'm just looking at my notes about something where I had written down the recent the recent thing that came out that we now know also, I mean, we've known this is a hoax for a while. It's just that NPCs and people plugged into the propaganda machine, just they won't go and look at what's out there. They just want to believe a certain narrative. But yeah. didn't it just come out that the CIA made a referral to the FBI that those allegations against Trump were coming from the Clinton campaign? Yeah. Like that- yeah. I mean, they, they according to Russian intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but yeah. I mean, the whole thing, the, how they fed the dossier into the FBI in the first place was suspect. Like, the whole thing is, it's not that it's, it's not that it's that, I'm trying to, how to phrase this. It's not that any one person, what they did was so outrageous, but it's an like, each person played a very pivotal role in doing something to undermine democracy or you know republic right to undermine the president and taken together it's a pretty it's a pretty horrible thing and they talked about it's a it's a pretty seditious i would say it's sedition right it's it's pretty seditious what the deep state has been doing and one of the first things they did was get rid of michael flynn because he wanted to revamp the intelligence industries he yeah he knew he knew where the bodies were buried, so to speak. He wanted to revamp uh, the intelligent industries to streamline them, to make them more efficient, and uh, presumably to correct some problems. And the intelligence community doesn't like that. They don't want accountability. They don't want to do this. And so he was the first one. And once he was gone, it became a lot easier to do some of the other stuff that they that they did. But uh, I recommend watching it, even if you're not a – you don't have to be a Trump fan. You just have to know – you just have to be someone who cares about – large federal agencies that would be part of the military industrial complex uh trying to undermine a president that should yeah. matter to you i would think yeah. let's do some let's do some super chats andrew joiner four pounds thank you andrew andrew says oh andrew just gives us a hippo character who's waving his hand in front of his neck doing this thank you I'm not sure why exactly but let freedom ring America. Thank you. Gives us, uh, he says, I almost missed the whole show, but I just want to say thank you and left to suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Joyner. Joyner again. Okay, go ahead. He says determinism and responsibility are not compatible. Absolutely correct. That's yeah, why I they agree. like determinism <laughs> because they really love the idea that no one is responsible for anything and that allows them to uh, that allows them to basically get away with anything they want and uh, it gives them the intellectual ammunition by which they can argue we need to build a system where we manipulate people so. yeah so see my friend my atheist friend who doesn't believe in free will and he believes that evil yeah, that who who believes that evil doesn't exist and that it's all just some you know uh, medical issue that we will one day figure out and then there'll be a system to fix people, right? 
it, it literally doesn't believe that you have the free will to choose things. Like, like for example, if there's two addicts and one addict gets sober and the other doesn't, he, he doesn't believe that that addict who got sober is making conscious choices that lead him to the path of sobriety. He believes that addict, that there's something in his brain, something chemically that predisposes him, that causes him to make those choices, that he has no free will whatsoever. And I don't understand that. Again, like you said, why even wake up in the morning then? What's the point? Yeah, Everything's, I mean, so everything's pre-planned for you. <laughs> yeah, determinism yeah. is based on this idea that because effects have causes, um, therefore there can be no free will. Um, and I think even, even determinists, even most determinists will argue, well, we should behave as if we have free will. Uh, <laughs> like we should behave as if we do Now I'm not, I'm not in that category of determinist either, but, uh, it's this kind of weird, well, because effects have causes, therefore there's no, there's no free will at all. And, um, I mean, maybe it will be true someday that we develop a pill to help someone overcome their alcohol addiction, but we're not going to get there unless we behave like we have free will and well, we're supposed to like, we got to yeah. get there somehow. So I don't see even the point in arguing for this stuff because if, if someone's a pure determinist and they want to argue with something, you can dismiss them out of hand and say like, yeah, well, I, I'm not programmed to agree with you. So, okay, the end. Like, like you know. Oh well. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the free will. Yeah, I don't have I don't the free have will the to, free change, will my required to change my mind. Bye. My mind. <laughs> yeah, like I don't. You know, there's no. It's a. It's a useless position to have when trying to communicate anything to anyone. So, I just. It's one of these like philosophical masturbations that I don't care. It's like, oh, what if we're like, okay, well, go in your corner, go get your PhD and smoke pot and sit in the corner and think about not having any free will. The rest of us are going to live our lives. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, here's here's a good one. Super chat from Ryan Rucker. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. He says, is it worth it trying to bring back friends or family who have gone woke? I don't know where to start and if it's even worth the headache. Uh, yes, we've had this question before. So the people I've talked to, and I'm thinking of one guy in particular who I've mentioned, because I asked this question on Twitter once, and I had some responses from folks, and this guy wrote me privately. He's pretty young. He became woke. He was indoctrinated in college like I was. He became woke um, in his 20s. And he proceeded to call his father. He damaged his relationship with his father and he called him all kinds of names and wouldn't listen to him and that kind of thing. And he came, you know, came to believe all the things that they tell you to believe, you know, uh, that, you know, you're uh, part of the white male cis patriarchy and all that stuff. And he said that the key for him was that his dad continued to love him during all of those woke years. And he would disagree with him and push back, um, but he he also he never made him feel like he could he couldn't be in his life. He was always open. It was basically the son rejecting him, but he was there, and he would push back, but he wouldn't almost almost like not tying too much emotion to to the well. If if you if you don't agree with me, you don't see what I'm trying to show you, then you know, that's very bad. He didn't attach any kind of judgment to it. 
And so the son started to see, because that's the act of love, I think. That's acting. Love is a behavior. That's acting in a loving way. And so that's hard to argue with, because I think people's minds, as we talked about before, people's minds are changed with emotion, not with facts, usually. It It's great to have both. I think the left, wokeism, it, it leans just on emotion. It doesn't have the facts. It's just playing to people's emotional mind. But if you can learn to play to people's emotional mind and have the facts to back up what you're saying, but keep that emotional channel open, that's how you change minds. It's hard to argue with no, with knowing the fact of knowing that my father still loves me, right? Even though I've called him awful things and told him he's evil and all this stuff, like it's hard to argue with that. And he, and he realized that one day and he said that was a big part of him waking up was the way that his father treated him was loving. So I wouldn't focus so much on turning everything into a heated debate with them. You can do gentle pushbacks, but really let them talk and show them you're open and to listening to what they have to say. And one thing we've talked about before is, let's say they want you to watch something um, or read something, like they want you to read White Fragility, read it. And then, but, but, but tell them I'm willing to read that. And if you'll read this book, then you can have a book that you want them to read. Maybe Helen Pluckworth and James Lindsay's new book, Cynical Theories, maybe Douglas Murray's The Madness of Crowds, but do a one for one, right? Or, or, Hey, watch this documentary with me, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom is a great documentary because it tells a great story. It speaks to the emotional mind and it's got the facts to back it up, but the story is moving. I cried watching that documentary. So, so show them that you're open, willing to read something they want you to read or watch something they want you to watch and then ask that they reciprocate and do the same. And I think actually the people in your life, this question is a really important question because you're talking about friends and family who are woke people who you already have a relationship with, a loving relationship with are the ones that you have the greatest hope of reaching because that love, that emotional connection is already there. You can go start a podcast like we did and try to talk about this and help people see what this ideology is and inoculate them against it or even try and help pull people out of it. But they don't have a personal connection to you. So they're less likely to listen or to care. It, it's some of the most important conversations are the are not the ones on podcasts like this. They're they're the ones you're having with people in your life who, you know, and love. So, yes, I think it's worth it. Just don't expect it to happen overnight. And don't rely to don't make it contentious and heated where they feel judged by you. Is that a good yeah. answer? <laughs> oh, no, I think it was Sorry a good answer. The only caveat I would say, and this is just maybe my personality is slightly different, but it depends on the friends and the family. Like if my daughter went woke, I would absolutely do everything that Carrie just said. Like, yes. If it was a friend from college. I don't know. It depends how close it is. It depends how what I mean how much it's worth it to me. Um I agree. So like there's certainly people that like I'm just willing to let go. And if they come back at some point, that's fine. It's a good time to reevaluate, uh, especially with friends, why they're your friends in the first place. Um, because a lot of times you end you have happenstance friends who are there because yeah. you happen to be at the same job or you happen to be in the same, you know, class at school or whatever it is, and actually they don't really have a lot of shared values with you. And so it might be okay that they're, you know, maybe that friendship isn't worth it. Maybe you can make room in your life for a better friendship. But 
for yeah, certain relationships, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, um, like the father-child relationship, totally. Totally, that's not a relationship worth letting go from either side, frankly. Um, yeah, I completely so. agree. There are going to be woke friends who I, I let go of woke friends or I let them I let them let go of me. I'll put it that way. I'm still I hope they know I'm here and I'm open if they have a change of heart down the road. They can, they know they can come talk to me, but I let them walk away. I didn't try and stop them. It's like if you want to call me all these names, some of them publicly and um and walk away, please go right ahead. That's okay. And, and th what that did was open up space for me to make better friendships with new people that are built on something other than shared ideology. Right. Right. I mean, we have shared foundational beliefs, right? But we're not ideologues, you know, like I can be friends with Carter even though we have radically different beliefs about God or religion, but we have the shared principles. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even a shared ideology. It's a shared membership in a cult. I mean, that's what the left is doing right now. It's shared cult membership, yeah. right? Because in the 80s, for example, you could be friends with Democrats if you were Republican and vice versa. It, there wasn't this, like, horrible cultish thing. But it, now the, there's this weird cult, on this woke cult on the left. And uh, that's what's preventing kind of normal interaction uh, is, is is the cult, the cult-like nature of it. So... And, yeah. and being in a cult together is not a good reason to be friends with someone. In fact, it's a good reason to get out of the cult. Okay. Uh, Pirate Tomsky. I wish Trump uh, would pardon Assange and Snowden to piss off all the intelligent agencies in one swoop. Yeah. I wish he would pardon those two as well. That would piss off everyone. It would probably piss off some people on the right, but uh, who cares? It, it's the right thing to do, first of all. And second of all, uh, I think... I mean, frankly, I would not only would I pardon Snowden, I would give him a I wouldn't put him in charge of the NSA, would I, but I would give him like a I would give him a high level position. In the NSA. I would find an NSA director who is totally willing to, you know, decimate the agency and and narrow its scope. And I would <laughs> make Snowden involved somehow. That would piss them off nicely. Uh, or I would just um defund the entire agency, but I'm not allowed to say that because that's just a step too far, isn't it? All right. Tax Tara. Thank you, Tax Tara. She says, boundaries are important, especially with loved ones who are in a cult. You can love them, but there's no requirement to be a doormat. Yes. Thank you, Tax Tara. That's a great point. Uh, loving them does not mean uh, letting down your own boundaries. You've got to be taking care of yourself. Yes, that's true. You don't need toxic people in your life. That's for sure. Yep. Once they become toxic, like let them weed themselves out of your garden so you can grow beautiful flowers. <laughs> you don't need <All> right. weeds. <laughs> Lucas Hobbs. Lucas Hobbs says, my family got broken half by this stuff. And the way we've been getting through it is keeping a grip on the things we still have in common, like food. Yeah. Yeah. You can do That's that. Good. Provided do that, that they're willing to do that, right? It's provided that they're willing to do that. Uh, to a self-defense yeah. self law uh, gives us five bucks thank you and says majority of Americans including 60% of Democrats say feeling welcome and safe is the most important is more important than being able to speak freely online yeah that's that's why I'm pretty sure secession is going to be our only option eventually uh, <laughs> you know 
I hate to, I, uh, yeah, they do. They want to feel safe. So do farm animals. All right. Let freedom ring America. Uh, thank you. Uh, gives us 10 bucks and says, I am both a racial and ethnic minority, so my woke friends walk on eggshells already <laughs> around me. It's fun using it against them, but I also like introducing reasonable dialogue. It works for me. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're an ethnic yeah. minority, you can get away with some stuff here, which you should get away with. See, yeah. that's the thing. Let me just point out something with this comment. And thank you, Let Freedom Ring America. We've said this before, but this is what wokeism does. It teaches white people that they need to treat people of color differently, that they need to tr judge them and treat them differently. It makes them racist if they're not already, which I happen to think a lot of them might already be, and that's why this appeals to them. But it turns them into racists if they're not already. And, and I've seen white people like this. It's so phony and condescending and uh cringeworthy the the way that woke white people act around people of color it's just like god you're not treating that person as an equal you're treating them differently it's gross how can you expect to establish any type of friendship when you're introducing this power differential that you think you have you're basically like i have more power and privilege than you so uh, I'm going to walk on eggshells and just oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I'm going to just I'm just not going to be normal. I'm not going to be a human with you. I'm going to be something different. I'm going to treat you like something different. It's so cringe. Oh, and then they go in these forums, these groups I'm in. I'm in these SJW groups, these these white woke women. And they're like, why can't I make any friends with people of color? I keep trying. It's like, yeah, that's because you're trying like you're like zoning in on them like oh a person of color here let me you know do all these things and and it, it's just not authentic what's wrong with you it's so uncomfortable it's so uncomfortable to watch woke white, white people around anyone who's not white it's also uncomfortable to watch woke white white people around white people because they do they they virtue signal and they make a big deal about insulting white people to other white people to show who yeah, that they're one of the that. good white people <laughs> It's just all around uncomfortable, guys. <laughs> I honestly, I think the woke the woke whites treat minorities like pets. Um, yes, they do, and they try to and collect. It's disgusting, them. yeah. Uh, and uh, or like little children that need to be coddled, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like Daniel, nothing Keene would says, piss me off I'm more if I was a person of color. I got to tell you. Daniel Keene says, I'm not going to hold you to the standards I hold myself to because I'm better and I know you can't live up to my expectations. Right. White guilt is ugly. Yeah, it is ugly. And I've had this happen with woke men sometimes to me as a woman. Mm. Now, now that now that I'm a wrong thinker, they don't do it as often because, again, they're hypocrites. As soon as they if, – if it's a, a wrong thinker who's black – or Latino or who's a woman, they throw all the rules out the window and they stop, they stop being weird around you. They just start attacking you. They, they stop walking on eggshells and they just start attacking you because they're hypocrites. But, um, when I was still in the SJW cult, you're given this status, right? It's because again, they view the world as a, a, a struggle for power between these identity groups. So they say women have less power than men. Therefore in the ideology, they treat, they give women more power. So I can say things that a man can't. And if I say something, a man can't contradict me because mansplaining and he's got male privilege and all that crap. And I, when I was in the cult, I definitely had 
men or sometimes even now when they assume I'm woke and they're woke, they will treat me in that condescending patronizing way. And I think the, the best example of this I gave you was, um, my business partner and I, who, who was a woman, um, asked this guy to explain something technical and he explained it. And then he apologized for explaining it (laughs) (laughs) and was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Was I just mansplaining? Like he was very, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? No. I want I we needed you to explain it cuz you're the expert in what we're we don't understand this. Like please don't treat me that way. You wouldn't treat a man that way. You wouldn't bow and scrape after explaining something. It's so gross. Anyway. <laughs> it is gross. Okay. It is gross. It's, it's the gross. opposite of rugged individualism. If you could have an opposite of rugged individualism, it would be wokeism. That would be it. Yeah. It's not individualist well, and it's the opposite of rugged. It's it's like weak and fragile. It's weak and fragile collectivism. That's the that's the uh that's their mantra. And by the way, the the woke people who want to be treated that way, the woke women who want to be treated that way, and the woke people of color who want to be treated that way are horrible people. If you want people to bow and scrape before you and it's because you don't think that you, your words and your, your behaviors, your actions can stand on their own, that you, you actually want a system that gives you this power over other people based on race and sex and you're despicable. So those, those people who, those few, or maybe it's not a few, maybe a lot of people want that, but, and, and then you see that's who, that's the only, that's, that's what woke friendships look like. Right. When they're people of a different race or sex, it's so gross. You've got one person who's enjoying take abusing and taking advantage of this person who's bowing and scraping all the time. And it's this weird power differential in the friendship. It's so, ew. <laughs> I don't have a lot of words for it other than ew and gross. Well, because today, but. here's the thing, right? Because they've, because they classify everything as a power dynamic, every relationship is a power dynamic. It means that the only relationships you can have are ones in which you're dominant or you're submissive because everything in every relationship, there's a dominant and a submissive that's by definition. So it means you can't have relationships between equals. So every relationship that you see between these people, there's someone being pathetic and submissive and someone being dominant. And it just depends where they are on the woke hierarchy, where they self-identify, where they each kind of have to figure out like, well, you're Muslim and this, but I'm a black one. Okay. They, they figure it out. Yeah. And then they like, and then out. they, and then they interact according to a power dynamic and like some like kink thing fight. going on. Or they fight. And that's why a lot of woke conferences descend. And there've been articles about these conferences. Oh, because descend into I should chaos be, you should be yeah. Yes. Because they're like, I'm more marginalized. So I get a bigger voice here. No, I'm more marginalized because I'm these groups. Well, I'm these groups. And then they fight over who's, right. who's more marginalized, which means in this ideology has more power. They, right. they, their whole belief system is built around power. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's exactly it's, who gets, who gets to hold the whip. That's the that's the question. That's yeah, the question I get to hold the whip. No, right. I get that's, to hold the that's whip. That's the entire. That's yeah. what it's like to be woke. Is I was constantly asking the question like, who gets to hold the whip, which is uh, not the way I want to live. But okay, uh, which is why they reject individualism. That's why individualism is on their list of, oh, of yeah. white uh, supremacist, right supremacist ideologies is, is individualism because individualism is no one holds the whip guys 
whips are not proper in relationships between people. <laughs> they, they don't belong. <sighs> Miss Dogtastic gives us a super chat. You want to read it? Yeah, she says, I'm in charge of a newsletter and I include gifts of animals to make it more fun. My boss's serious feedback was that I make the gifts more, quote, inclusive. <laughs> Wait, are you not including enough kinds of animals? Is that what that means? I don't know. That's hilarious. What about people who like geckos? They'll feel excluded by our gifts. Yeah. Right. Well, um, I want to share with you what's going on in California, Carrie. It's kind okay. of, uh, it's a little bit of frivolity, but it's real. Our governor, the great Gavin Newsom, who only has our best interest in mind and is using, because science is settled about everything. So he's going to use science to tell us, you know, how we should eat our food. He says, <clears throat> going out to eat with members of your household this weekend, don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. <laughs> Wait, that's like that video of those people who cut a hole in their mask and were eating in the hole. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, is this this is Gavin Newsom? California governor's Facebook account. Is this the same Gavin Newsom, California governor, who's been photographed about 20 times with his mask down below his nose? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just, you know, I want to... Because I'm a Californian, I want to be sure that the rest of the country gets this important message. Uh, don't forget when you're eating with your family, with members of your household, while you're out eating, don't forget between bites, put your muzzle mask on. What are you home with the members of your family when you brush your teeth? Are you like brushing your teeth for the like those masks have to be. Filthy, filthy masks. Uh, <laughs> it's so, I, I really, I don't, I, I wish, I kind, I want to understand. I mean, I understand I at an intellectual level, the errors that people make and how stupid they are, but I don't understand it. Like, I don't get it emotionally. Like, I don't get the person who looks at that and is like, my governor, I don't like, I can't. It's like you're another species. I don't quite understand what it's like to be you. Uh, we we have to do this Pirate Tomsky super okay. chat. He gave us. Oh, my God. Pirate Tomsky. Go ahead. It says, going, down, going down on your partner this weekend. Don't forget to keep your mask on between contact. <laughs> I think there actually was a PSA somewhere about wearing masks during sex. Oh my um, gosh. Because apparently you're supposed to be having random sexual encounters still on Tinder. That's still a thing. But wear your mask. And I guess your certain yeah. positions maybe have maximal social distancing. I don't know. Isn't it weird how they, they, um, they were like, they're still, of course, pushing all like things like rioting and gathering in large <laughs> protest groups and stuff. And they're put, and of course, they're hedonistic. They're pushing, you know, sex is for strangers all the time is still sure. fine all the yeah. but as long as you're wearing your mask while you do these things you're cool it's <laughs> right. cool guys it's cool <laughs> yeah, wear your mask <sighs> i don't, oh, gross. don't know gross uh thank pirate you for tomsky, that, laugh. that was a good I one yeah it. pirate tomsky wins for that yeah i think taking chat today you put your mask <laughs> on in between bites <laughs> what it's like parody at this point 
how can you tell? <laughs> how can you tell what's real anymore? I saw this thing with it was a a, a graphic uh, going around of Jack Black, supposedly oh, yeah. a quote from Jack Black talking about how Joe Biden is punk rock, <laughs> and and I think now I think it's satire. I saw that. But I couldn't. Oh, tell you think he because, was being satirical? No, I don't even think he said it. I'm not. I haven't found evidence oh. he said it. So oh. I think somebody wrote, did it satirically because that's how close we we're, we're in a place where it's hard to tell what's satire. Where right. Babylon B articles are coming true. They and, had to start you know, a separate thing called Not the Bee, where they put stuff up that wasn't theirs but looked like it was. Yes. Yeah. Because that's how close we are. And could I imagine a celebrity or musician or someone like Jack Black saying that Joe Biden's punk rock? Yes. That's why I, I believed <laughs> totally. it at first. It's like, of course, of course you said that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. I, I don't know. So look, if all of this stuff does not convince you that democracy sucks and we eventually <laughs> are going to have to separate from other elements in society, I don't know what to tell you. Like this is not going to work. It's just not going to work long term i don't western civilization cannot withstand these people you can't i can't you can't build western civilization on sheep it just it doesn't work it doesn't work so many people want to be sheep though it's weird um okay we hey, should probably wrap what? if it's uh if it's consensual right so here's here's my here i'll make a proposal uh let us have – I won't even go for, for anarcho-capitalist. I will – I'll compromise on minarchist. Let us have a minarchist government and we will carve out a few regions of the country that you can help choose. And if you want to live in a cage and be completely controlled by your overlords, we'll pick some overlords. You can even pick your overlords. We'll cordon those areas <laughs> off and you can have your little communes. And we will leave you alone. The only rule is if someone wants out, you got to let them out. Uh, but they don't get right. a vote if they went in voluntarily. Uh, so, okay. And you can have that. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, oh, man. Okay. All right. Well, okay. we should call it a day, I guess. Let's call it a day. Thank you guys for hanging out with us on this beautiful Monday. If you want to... Uh, join us for book club. We're doing, we're reading Screw Take Letters by C.S. Lewis. You have a week. It's not that long of a book, so you can still join us. And we're going to be discussing it on Sunday. You can get more information at unsafespace.com on our book club page. And if you want to be in the video discussion of the book, it tells you what to do. But basically, you're going to send us an email letting us know you want to be, you want to get a link to the Zoom. And if you don't want to be in video, you can just be in the chat like today. Yep. We also are, uh, we have merchandise. Go to unsafespace.com shop. You can get a lovely t-shirt with Carter's face on it that says enter in it for volatility, which is my favorite at the moment. And we also, if you want to support us financially, you can go to uh, unsafespace.com to the donate page. There's lots of different ways. The most popular way that people choose most often is the, the to go to our subscribe star. And there's a link there for that. If you subscribe at the $25 level or more a month, you get a grenade mug that says unsafe, unsafe space. Mug. Yeah. I think and that's all. That's all the things we have, right? Yeah. And I think if you have been at that level and you don't have a mug by let's assume maybe it'll take a few more days for some people's mugs to get there. But I've shipped all the mugs for whom I ha like all the mugs for people for whom I have addresses. So if I've asked you for your address... And you haven't given me your address. That's why you don't have a mug. So get on it. 
Also, the email will be speak at unsafespace.com, so you can do that if you want to join book club. And we have to let tax Tara, because we are so tight with the knitting community, we have so many knitters. She's warning us. Do you really want to upset the knitters? Yes, you can build a society on sheep. You just have to shear them every year. So thank you for that <laughs> uh, clarification, Tax Tara. Yes. Um, oh, tomorrow we have a, we are having an interview with Nico House coming out tomorrow. Nico was one of the people and at the Better Discourse Conference in Milwaukee. He was on the side of reparations, and it's a conversation that I have with Nico about. I, I mean, I don't want to call it a debate, but we did discuss and disagree about reparations. So if you uh, are interested in that, I think it's 11 a.m. tomorrow, but I haven't actually uploaded it yet. So, But I'll do that later today, and um, we will uh, debut that tomorrow. And then on Thursday, our interview with Melissa Chen will be out, I think. So. Woohoo! Yay! Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Bye, Carter. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. Even casual association with these people would be considered an overt act of sedition. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Principles are for suckers. The smart thing to do is to go along with everyone else. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.